through a full nine innings of a baseball game because the weather allows it. Are we anywhere close to that for you, Mr. Jacoby? I will never sit through a nine inning baseball game in a baseball stadium for the rest of my life. I <laughs> went to a Yankee game last year and it was a second of a double header and it was seven innings. And I was like, why isn't this just baseball now? Like why? Like this was perfect. It was, it's not like, it's like, it's like going to the cheesecake factory. Like I'm not going to eat all this food in one setting. Why are you delivering it to me as such? And I feel the same way about baseball games. There's too much baseball. I want less baseball in my baseball game experience. No, but the, but the difference between the Cheesecake Factory and a baseball game is that you can no, there's choose. No, you... sorry, sorry to interrupt, June, but there's no difference between the Cheesecake Factory and a baseball game. There's none whatsoever. Welcome to Debatable. <laughs> well, Cheesecake Factory is good because I had Cheesecake Factory there, last night. What did no you way. eat? It better have been oh. the Cheesecake. Confession, I've never eaten a Cheesecake Factory in my entire life. Okay, then you can't say this! Stop saying <laughs> I've never watched Sopranos, I've never read Harry Potter, and I've never eaten at the Cheesecake Factory How in my entire life. I've never eaten at the Cheesecake Factory. I have had a lot of Coronas, though, so shout to Corona. Well, I believe right off the top, Alabaster, we have something special, and I have a question for you, which is, who, of course, Charlie, is having a fine time that is presented by Corona, fine life, excuse me, Fine life. The fine life is presented by Corona. Charlie, who do we got? I think it is pretty clear that today and hopefully for the rest of the week, Tiger Woods is living the fine life. He gave his press conference and Tiger said he thinks he can win Augusta. And I think that's pretty fair that after this amazing year and this amazing comeback, Tiger Woods is living the fine life. And I must ask you guys, Tiger has high expectations for himself. But as someone who's living the fine life, what is fair to expect from Tiger this week at Augusta? Jacoby, you seem to be closest to the, uh, let's just say, the golf demographic. So, uh, <laughs> well, here's here's the expectation for Tiger Woods. It is binary to me. It's miss the cut or make the cut. He ain't winning. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely not winning. But I want to see Tiger on Saturday and Sunday. The last time he missed the cut, I think it was like 96. I think I was like graduating high school the last time that he missed the cut at Augusta. So like if he's going to play, which he is, I don't think he can win, but I do want to see him make the cut. Those are my expectations for him. And I might be financially invested in those expectations as well. Jim? Uh, I feel like watching Tiger at this point is like watching like one of my grandparents do anything. Like you're just glad that they're up and about and living life. Like at this point, like Tiger for me is all just a nostalgia play. Like it's like, I remember what Tiger did like 25 years ago. Like how awesome was that? Like at this point, especially given after everything that he's gone through from just an injury perspective, the car, yeah, everything that happened with the car crash, like which one? I'm just, a, I'm <laughs> that's a very good point. Multiple car crashes, exactly like yeah. I mean, like I'm just at a point where it's like Tiger's playing golf, like that's great. Like if, if as long as as long as he's out there having a good time, like that there's nothing. Everything after that is just kind of is just kind of like extra for us to run the game. June just called I, Tiger totally Woods. With you, June. 
He called Tiger Woods at, at Masters like a Motley Crue concert. He was just like, I'm just glad that they're doing this. It's, it's a nostalgia play. They still have some Motley hits. Crew. Who, is, who is Motley Crue? Anyway, um, Freddie Boom Boom Couple said that he's looking great out there. Tiger hasn't even played in a PGA Tour event in more than 17 months. But this is a little bit more personal for me. I told the story on this show once before, which is that I was in a car crash like Tiger's. I remember how hard it was to reacclimate to actual regular life just being able to walk, just being able to feel comfortable around people because you almost lost your life in such a strange scenario involving a vehicle that turned over a bunch of times. Like this is well beyond an accomplishment already, in my opinion, for what Tiger's done. Getting out there, mingling with his boys, even giving people a feeling that the old Augusta, the Tiger stuff is even part of what we are. He's already won for me. You know what I'm saying? Jacoby, I don't need him to make the cut. Just seeing him swing the golf club. Hopefully Charlie's out there again. We already got our big Ken Tiger win, comeback Augusta moment. That happened. This is more of a life story, less of a golf story to me. And I really like it. I think the grandparents part is kind of real. It's like, oh, there goes Eldrick. He can still do it a little bit. You know what I mean? And like that to me is really, really fun because there were times when we didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case for a lot of different things in Tiger's life. Never mind actually playing golf. He's got the white belt, the white pants going out there on the practice round. We love this. I'm, I'm so it's like, it's, it's like it's like when Allen Iverson returned to play in the big three and you're like, oh, Allen Iverson like can really put together a basketball play still, even though he's, right. you know, hasn't been on the court in such a long time. Well, as someone who, who uh, uh, pays attention to the big three way more than I should or want to admit. Uh, the Iverson big three resurgence wasn't exactly a success story. Let's just, it let's was, just, it wasn't, let's just but, say that. But he was still yeah. on the basketball court. He was, I'm not he looking was, for yes. a success story. I'm just looking for him to make it on to a, like a, you know, to, to, to just, just to play a full 18 holes, you know? Yes. And, yeah. and so here's my question for you two and something as an, uh, a, a nihilist, egotistical maniac the question I have is, if you are an actual contender for the trophy, if you are one of the top 10, 20 golfers, do you want Tiger involved? Or are you like, Tiger, why are you making this about you? Because all anyone's going to care about is Tiger. I will say there's one, re there's one reason you want Tiger involved, is that if he is in your pairing, and therefore you have more eyeballs on you for whatever you're trying to do, and you can at the very least, say that you played around with Tiger Woods. You don't want to be on 12 and hear the crowds booming from 14, wondering what's happening. You don't want that. You'd rather him be right there. So at the very least, you can soak it all in and have the experience. And if you are psyched out, you have some measure of control over how you're going to do it. Otherwise, no, you don't want him taking the shine off you because he does become the entire story as evidenced by, hello, this very program. So you're, also, you're saying it, like a rising tide floats all the boats. The rising tiger tide floats all the other golfer boats. I know. I think there was a time when that was the case, but I think that he will have the most watched pairings, period, of the tournament. Not even close. Oh, ESPN's going to have a tiger cam. Like, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> ESPN Plus will have a full yeah. tiger cam. I hope so. So one thing uh, to add on this, it's actually – that this will be a really interesting to, thing to watch, the pairings with Tiger, because, you know, there's been a history him being paired with like top players all these tournaments and it usually makes the people he's with play way worse because there's yeah. a million eyeballs yeah. on him people will and also like there's this crowd the second tiger hits the crowd starts moving to his next shot and it becomes like a you know a non-static sport 
And I think that's almost interesting to watch if he's not necessarily a contender anymore, how if he's playing with a John Rahm or a whomever at the top of the leaderboard, how they react to that now. Because it is it is a different crowd, even though it is still a Tiger crowd. Well, Alabaster, I'm glad you brought that up because as someone who has a lot of golf expertise, meaning I've been golfing for about four years, if there is someone <laughs> watching me swing a golf club that I haven't known for 10 years, I freak out. And I can really? only imagine, I can only, just from the pressure, like I just feel weird. Like if the other group is like pulling up in their little carts and I'm about to tee off, like I, I guarantee I do worse. So I think that that is a good point um, based on my golf expertise that I would play way worse with more eyeballs on me. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can hit like a decent number of free throws in a row when there's like no one else in the gym. And the second like there's any level of stakes, just like getting into a pickup game, like it's just like brick, brick <laughs> off the rim. I'm glad to know that we've compared our own personal athletic careers to the greatest athlete, the most accomplished athlete of our generation. Like, honestly, the most accomplished, accomplished athlete of our generation is Tiger Woods. And, and but let's 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 all be honest with ourselves. This is great for oh, sports, yeah. for us, for everything. Having Tiger do this is amazing. And I will watch the Masters, which is something I haven't done for like 10 years. Really? I watched when Tiger was in it last time I watched. Okay. I'm big. June, of course, you know, the most important thing for me, obviously, is what will Tiger be wearing? We need to see the latest and greatest and on course stylings from El Tigre in terms of what the fashion design is out there for the course. This is what I care about. This is what I bring to the table in general. Well, how, how would you react? Like? How would you react? Click one more thing. How, how would you react if, like, Tiger just like took a left turn on all this and, like, came out wearing like hypey stuff on the court. Like he was wearing like a- That would like, be a problem for me. That like, would not he's wearing like a kid, He's wearing like a kid hoodie and- a, <laughs> It's like a, and, a, a pleasures, no, like a pleasures, suit. like a pleasures sweatsuit. <laughs> if he comes out in some gear that is like, or, or if there's something that's like the newest thing in golf that like we haven't seen before, that we only seen in other places, some athleisure that's next level that doesn't exactly look very good, that wouldn't be great. But I hope to see the latest in the red. Maybe he doesn't wear the red because he doesn't make it to Sunday. I'm sad now. Oh, he's going to make it to Sunday. He's going to make the cut. He's going to make the cut. He'll make the cut wherever Tiger is is where the cut is. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, he's going to make the cut. Fair enough. What's up, Alabaster? I feel like I just should add this one other thing just to, you know, get our hype going a little bit more. And it's that Tiger hired the former, uh, you know, greenkeeper at Augusta to do his personal greens at his house. Wow. Um, so he's almost untiger proof, these tiger proof greens. It's, you know, I'm a sucker for this. So my expectations are that his putter is going to be on fire and that he will make this cut and actually be fun to watch this weekend. Call me crazy, um, but that's cool. Imagine imagine having enough money to hire someone who professionally like does grass for the masters to do your own grass. Like that seems like yeah. that seems like that seems like a luxury on the level of like buying a new pair of socks every single day. No, it's 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 like no, uh, that's like, it's like it's it, you, first of all, you're required to have your own golf course in order to hire somebody to fix the greens on your own golf course, which is the first hurdle to that issue. Getting your own course is a bigger issue to me than finding that's besides that's that's well, besides the point. To actually get that's besides the point in advance of this show i've actually hired the writer that writes all of logan roy's rebuttals from succession for <laughs> comebacks to clinton that's what i have done today and he's actually just off camera right here which is exactly did what you hire his makeup artist too Jacoby? in terms of green no i didn't we're make, i'll put makeup on right now here we go oh, oh, oh that, that's that's what you're paying that guy for to write that yeah. come on <laughs> this guy be better oh the brush 
Love it. The way he acts like he knows what he's doing. It's really just a couple dabs, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> We've all got very interesting backgrounds today. The director cut sure away from me. The director's just like, I'm not showing you. <laughs> no! All right, I'm good. I love it. All right, I'm good. Ready to go. I got my takes. We're there. All right. Look good, feel We're good, prepped. play good. That's what Walter Payton said. It means they pay good, too. What's next? All right. We are going to move on to the national championship game, uh, which happened last night. And, you know, after slaying the Dragon and Duke, Carolina came out scorching hot and came out to a 16-point lead against Kansas. But Kansas came back and won. And our question is, does Kansas's national championship last night feel memorable to you? Jacoby, Mr. Basketball. I'll tell you what. This is the Duke-UNC game tournament. Like, this will not go down as the Kansas won the championship tournament. This is the maybe St. Pete's, but this is the Duke lost to UNC in the Final Four the first time that they it's, – it kind of reminds me of when the Red Sox beat the Yankees and then they went on to beat the Cardinals in the World Series, but no one remembers that. They just remember that the Red Sox beat the Yankees. That is what this is. UNC, you have your championship. You beat Duke. You beat Coach K. You won the game. You just didn't win the game. Yeah, I mean, to build off of Jacoby, too, a lot a lot of different schools have won a national championship before. How many schools can claim to have spoiled the last game of a legendary head coach, not just once, but multiple times over the course of an entire season? And not only is it Duke, like, it's Coach K, like, the dude that everyone loves to hate. This isn't just any old rivalry coach. This is Coach K and Duke that you've been able to spoil the moods of until the end. Of, you, you have this if, – if you were a UNC fan, you have this for the rest of time to be able to hold this over any Duke fan in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this for two reasons. Number one, I almost never remember who won the national title after a tournament. That's almost rarely the story in the last 15 years <laughs> Great of who doesn't matter. Very rarely is the title winner the story of the tournament. In my personal opinion. That, 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 no, that's no, you're, secondly, you're not that far off. Yeah. And secondly, is that like, I'm surprised by how much, no, I don't, I don't want to say surprised by this, but like, if I'm a UNC fan, I think about this all the time in the context of rivalries. How much do I want to define myself by hating my opponent as opposed to how good I am? And oftentimes, the Tar Heel fans, I'm like, okay, you beat Duke a couple times. I get it. It got Coach K out of there. But, like, how long are you actually going to talk about that? Because last time I checked, UNC's got a ton of basketball history as well. And so, yes, winning the title would have been a big deal on top of that. But this is the next best thing. I am intrigued to know, though. All of you hardcore Tar Heels fans, how long are you actually going to be talking about somebody who's not a Tar Heel to define your fandom for your own team? There, there is a very good parallel to this as someone who's currently in my sister's bedroom in Boston and lives <laughs> in New York. Like, <laughs> Boston fans current, always compare themselves to New York and just Boston in general as a city. And I say this as someone who loves Boston, grew up in Boston. New York is not thinking about Boston ever. No. Ever. <laughs> Never. Not one, Not for one moment is New York City thinking about Boston. And Boston's – you know, I used to have a friend growing up who used to be like, you know, if I'm in New York City, like, I'm never going to wear a Red Sox jersey because I'm going to get mugged. I walk around with a Red – like, <laughs> no, anything Red not. Sox from time to time here. No one cares. No one no. cares. And this is – you know, it's one of those things where it's like it means a lot more to UNC. Right. But at least you have that for the rest of your life. That's fair. It, it is not big brother, little brother with those two cities. It is like uncle nephew. 
That is very fair. much what it yeah. is. It That's is probably like, a better way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you put that last stat back up, though, Alabaster? Bill Self joins Rick Pitino as the kind only of blew my mind. And, yeah, John Calipari's out here making like $15 million a year. He hasn't won two national titles. Round one. Like, guys are now <laughs> like seriously? Ball, like, you know? <laughs> I'm, I was looking at so certain stats I don't believe. Like, I don't believe this one is true. I don't believe that the Memphis Grizzlies are 21 and 2 without John Morant. Like, there are certain <laughs> things I just reject. Certain, like, certain objectively, Fake like, news. facts, actual facts I just reject as not true. And that is one of them. Not true. The sidebar headline in this June also is that Rick Pitino is still in the league at Iona. People forget that this guy is actually still coaching after all that went down at Louisville, too. So, uh, what went down? Guy. No, what went down? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? What went down? What do you mean? I was, I was in Louisville last weekend, by the way. No, Fun no, story. don't change the subject. What went down? What happened? What happened with Rick Pitino? I brought up the subject. Therefore, I can change the subject. <laughs> Get your writer on it. What's next? <laughs> well, <laughs> One th- one thing worth noting as we you know kick this Rick Pitino Bill Self comparison down the road. This dude is still under investigation from the NCAA for five level one violations that were that were labeled egregious and severe. Let me let me let me jump in here. In 2017, people thought differently than they do in 2022 about what these violations even are. You see what I'm saying? Like I don't actually think. The average basketball fan in America right now cares about recruiting violations or anything like that whatsoever anymore. We know what the rules are. They're paying players. Everything is different now. LSU just got through caning their coach directly before the tournament. This is a last week headline kind of thing now in terms of the actual news value for basketball fans. It might affect the Jayhawks program big time, but I don't think anybody walking around is thinking, oh, man, Bill Self, what a terrible guy because he broke some completely useless rules that we have to try to get players to play college basketball. You, you know what the average basketball fan thinks of college basketball? And this is – and this is I'm trying not to slight college basketball, but it's definitely going to come across that way. <laughs> college basketball is the development system for the NBA. That's what the average basketball fan thinks about college basketball. Right. June just did the I don't mean any disrespect and then disrespect. With all due respect, it's like I, I really like this guy, but it's just, but also like uh, this is kind of like the old tweets. It was like, oh, someone gets drafted. It's like, well, they in, in 2004, they tweeted this thing. It's like, ah, it was 2004. You know, and, right. and also, <laughs> it, it just doesn't matter. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, especially when it comes to college High school recruiting. players are making endorsement money now. It's just yeah, a different world we're living in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's next? Mike, Mikey Williams has a deal with Puma. Like, I don't care about recruiting violations in the same way. Not, not remotely. What do we got next, Alabaster? Totally fair. As we move on, I will say it is, it is sort of crazy that we have uh, – well, not crazy. It's good that we've moved to the point that no one cares about this stuff. But it is crazy that, like, the bag men who paid – players the situation some of them are in prison and bill self is still out here winning national championships it's well the memphis stuff is interesting that's, the memphis yeah, stuff is interesting i was like wait a second like you know anthony hardaway has been there for what three years he's already getting a little yep um all right we'll, we'll move on to the nfl and our question is what do you make of reports that pete carroll called out nfl owners over their hiring practices for those of you who don't know this story, apparently last week there was a GM meeting and Pete Carroll found himself on there talking about how he didn't think that owners understood that there weren't going to be changes in any hiring practices until at the top they understood that people did not have to look like them in order to be successful in the NFL. Pete's had, I want to say, three black defensive coordinators. I don't have those stats in hand, Alabaster, but he's not somebody that's been, I would say, particularly 
you know, whatever on either side of this, if that's how you want to frame that, there it is. Um, but Pizza, you know, he's the oldest coach in the league. He's a pretty outspoken guy, and he's been around football a long time. I think that his voice weighs reasonably heavy as far as head coaches in the league are concerned, June. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and have a huge standing ovation for Pete Carroll for stating the obvious. You know what I mean? This yeah. is what we know, June. Yeah, and for the for the podcast audience, the stats and in Carroll's twelve years as the coach of the Seahawks, they haven't they've never had a minority offensive coordinator, but he has hired two of his sons to coach positions on the team. I think one thing that is important to remember in the context of Pete Carroll just generally speaking out about stuff in the state of the NFL was that he spoke out about what was happening with Colin Kaepernick. But you know, words only go so far. Like he had an opportunity to sign Colin Kaepernick if he wanted to, and we don't want to have to retread the entire Kaepernick thing over and over again. But actions always do speak louder than words. So you know, it is important that someone like Pete Carroll, of his stature, is saying something in these meetings because there's not many people in those meetings who are going to voice that opinion in the first place. But until there's actions that align with more of those words. This is just kind of hot air for me until until kind of actual substantive change happens uh, in, in ways that actually matter beyond just saying like, hey, this thing is wrong, and then kind of moving on with your day. Um, as a resident white guy on the show, I will say that there's like a, there's a little bit of like, oh, Pete Carroll, like, yeah, guess what? Like, you're saying the right thing, you're doing the right thing, but are you really helping? Like, are you really dancing the ball? Are you, are you really giving a part of your time and salary? Like, are you, are you really, like, are you really part of this movement? Or are you just saying, like, you know what? We need more diversity. We need more more uh, people of color as head coaches in the National Football League. But don't take my job. And I'm glad you brought up Kaepernick, June, because he pump-faked at Kaepernick a couple times. Like, it was, like yeah. he kept pump-faking at it. It was, it was almost like, like, as the kids would say, like, he was doing it for clout. It was like, oh, you're not actually going to hire – Colin Kaepernick <laughs> to be a quarterback in the National Football League. You just want the headline that he worked out for you where there's discussions about it. And, like, there's a little bit of this to me that's like, Pete Carroll, sometimes you're better off just being quiet and doing the work to help this become not a problem that it is instead of being loud and not doing the work to help it become not a problem. And, and this is there's almost a very easy example of that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, this is almost the, the NFL HUD coaching equivalent of posting a black square on Instagram. It's like, hey, it's yeah. great that you posted this black square. We get what it means symbolically, but, like, does this do anything beyond just being like, oh, okay, and then kind of moving on? Well, you know, we all know Pete likes the spotlight, and the bottom line is we have a blueprint for this. We have an example of people who do it the right way, did it the right way, and have shown us such. That's Bruce Arians. He just retired. That guy hired people. He wasn't out there running his mouth. He was out there doing the work. Mm, that's a good point. What's next? All right, guys. We are going to move on to a segment that we call Shark Take. This is the okay. segment we – So I don't we, know what this is. Okay. So here's how it's going to go. Oh, my God. I'm going to pitch you takes. Oh, wow. Look at this. Oh, wow. Sharks. You guys can – you guys can choose Look at the to budget invest. for the sharks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, hold on. We need to. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. What? What are those two different shark materials? Yeah, one's like, rubber and one, one is uh, one looks like a, like a dog toy, like and one looks like a okay. plush. Yeah, this is a uh, you know. Yeah, give me the shark Bongo profile shark. and the rubber one, yeah, please. Yeah, profile is much better. Show the yeah. teeth, dude. Show the teeth. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay, all right. Yeah. We were short shrifting that little other shark. All right, go on. Yeah, we need the top view. We need the drone shot. This is a ferocious <laughs> shark. This one's cute and cuddly. Um, anyway, okay. so the way this segment works, I'm going to pitch you takes that you guys can invest in or be out on. Up to you guys. I'm not going to, you know, let you I take like it where it. you will. But my question is, is basically how much will you invest and what you're going to invest 
is putting your reputation behind these takes. This is a fake television show on the internet, and I want to know if I can get you to put this take either on your Twitter, on a, on a real TV show, on a podcast you do that might be more reputable than debatable, but that's the investment that you can give. The first one, Long go back to, we are going to go back to college basketball and Sharks. Here's the take I have for you. I'm all for player empowerment, but the transfer pro, transfer portal has gotten out of control and is ruining college basketball. The sport is harder to follow than, than ever. The NCAA needs to lose out the transfer portal because uh, needs to rein in the transfer portal so I can know who's on these teams. Can I sell you on this take? I'll invest you exactly zero dollars. I'll invest exactly okay. zero dollars into that take. That's a that's a pass from me, dog. You are not going to Hollywood or whatever they say on Shark Tank <laughs> because it's it's you know we all pay attention to college basketball when it gets to like conference tournament. You know what I mean? Like that's really yeah. it. So I'm going to say that the transfer portal is fine. I want players to be able to do whatever they want. I will not invest in this take. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna opt out. I'm gonna I'm gonna opt out of this take too, mostly because I I, I think that part of this is tied to the high school NBA role where if you're going to start to get more players who actually like want to go play college basketball and be invested in the culture of college basketball, you know, the rivalries, all that stuff. I think that this is probably something that helps fix that. But until that happens, you're going to have players who are just looking to be in the best developmental situations to make a jump, whether it's to the NBA or just to one of the Euro leagues in general. Like I, I think that's something that a lot of people maybe necessarily don't you know think a lot about is, you know, the the fact that a lot of the college basketball players just want an opportunity to play professionally anywhere, and this is always a good opportunity to do that. And until like these these you know these college players aren't incentivized to kind of position themselves for the best career in basketball afterwards, you're going to continue seeing this kind of stuff happen, not just in college basketball but in college football as well. So you know how when you block somebody on IG, it's like block their account and all others they might create. That's where I am on anybody who presents this take. I need to know who this is from because I don't want, I'm not only not investing in this take, I'm making sure that all other business offers to all my friends that you've brought up are not getting heard because this reinforces the initial issue with what the problem was. It implies that the system before was fair and okay and fine and fun. No, this is what we call the hard part in fixing what was already an issue. The whole issue was that players were you know, beholden to things that were not fair in terms of free market anything, never mind just their well-beings as human beings. So no, they don't need to rein it in. You just need to figure it out. That's the whole reason we have it to begin with. So I'm not one of these people that looks at the past and says, oh, wasn't that great when guys could be locked up for six years because they got hurt and some coach wasn't going to let them go wherever. No, screw that. All right. It's a totally different time right now. And if you're bringing this to me, it shows me that you're not thinking on a level that's smart enough for my business to invest in. <laughs> How many people are you blocking on Instagram? And how do you know this much about the process? Are you kidding me? You see this? Case? I don't block people on Instagram. I gotta block people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I'm blocking people a lot. So that's all. Zero dollars from your boy. Okay, Sharks. Wow. Well, I have another take that you might want to invest in. All right. Okay. Sharks, may I pitch you on this take? Yes. It's that. Based on how James Harden has looked with Philly, even if Ben Simmons misses the rest of this season and the postseason, the Brooklyn Nets won the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade. Sharks, is anyone interested in investing in this take? 
I will invest in this take. take. <laughs> this take has a valuation of $10 million. And at that valuation, I would like a 50% stake at $5 million. And I will, no, 51% stake because I want to have control in the board. And I will 100, 51% buy into this because I really feel like James Harden is no longer James Harden that we saw with the Rockets. James, Dale Morey is ding. looking at James Harden and being like, wait a second, what happened to you, dog? Like, we just two years ago, we were in Houston, and you were like an MVP candidate, putting up 56 and 12 and 14, and now, like, you can barely get 20 points. It, I would say that the Nets need Ben Simmons. About the Nets is basically, Seth Curry's great. Drummond has been contributing for them. And if they do get Ben Simmons next year, the Nets will be great. But I've been saying next year, the Nets will be great for the last four or five years. So... Fifty-one percent stake. I'm in. How much are you guys investing? Let's do this. Let's get rich. I, I will. I will invest a. I will offer a forty-five percent stake, but with a caveat that I can make another twenty-five percent, uh, twenty-five cents per item for every point that Ben Simmons scores for the Nets after. Oh wow! Okay. And on top All of right. that, I will team up with Lori Grenier to broadcast this take on QVC so we can reach a wider audience. <laughs> on top of that. Because <laughs> Simmons, can you just name I, drop a QVC host? What just this, happened there? I hope my a, mom is, is watching. She watches this QVC is a Shark Tank. This is Shark Tank. I love this. this. Is not Shark Tank. Look at its scalability, dude. I love where your head's at. I love no, where your head's at. We're making money here. Shark Tank is the greatest. Anyways, wow. It doesn't. I we're at the point where it almost doesn't matter what Ben Simmons does because. We're at a point where I think James Harden, there's a chance, I don't think an enormous chance, but there is a chance that James Harden is not on the Philadelphia Sixers next year, just given the way that this yeah. is going. Yeah. Where is he? I'm I'll, just, I'll, invest, I'll invest in because, that side take. I don't know all because, the lingo of all the Shark Tank, though. Because, because one of the things with James Harden right now is that you watch him on a night-to-night basis. Like, there was a lot of excitement after the first couple games with him and Embiid. But James they Harden the is James, Wolves and the Knicks in those first couple of games. Let's right. just remember that. James, yeah. Har- James Harden is still James Harden. He, his effort goes up and down. And the thing that he doesn't have anymore, he doesn't have the lateral quickness in the same way that he used to have. And that is like 85% of what made James Harden special as an NBA player. Like how many yeah. times how many times a week now? Like we used to see James Harden step back three highlights. I feel like on a night-to-night basis, how many of those do you actually see anymore? And on top of that, when you watch the Sixers games, and this was, I think, my biggest problem with the trade when it happened, that James Harden just wouldn't let go of the alpha dog mentality. There's so many plays that he runs on the Sixers right now where he's just dribbling out the clock. He's taking up 20% of, you know, 20 20 seconds of of the shot clock. And then he, you know, chucks something up. And it's like, that's not what the Sixers team needed. Like, there is an argument, and I probably wouldn't go this far yet because I think you know the ceiling of James Harden is probably higher than CJ McCollum. But like, there's an argument that you can make that CJ McCollum would have been a better fit for the Sixers than James Harden has been in terms of not just this year, but kind of long term as well. That's very that that's a very if we redrafted kind of vibe to me, which I, I I understand. But like, here's my thing, and I again I don't know the lingo of all this Shark Tank business stuff, so I'm just gonna say it this way. <laughs> With Maury and Harden, it's like, okay, you're dating someone and things aren't exactly going great because it's like, yo, they're kind of in the streets a lot. You're like, but it's okay because we've got a connection. At some point later in life, we'll reconnect and everything will be fine. Wait till I get my money right or whatever the case. But then you reconnect and you realize, no, 
They really do just belong to the streets. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not the same. And that's kind of where we are. Those years ago in Houston feel like an eternity ago in terms of everything we've gone through, all the teammate stuff that's happened. Brooklyn getting rid of him was ultimately more important than gaining anybody else. And that's obvious. You know what I'm saying? And I think, yeah, so whatever the valuations are, stakes, all that other nonsense, I don't know. But I know that James Harden belongs to the streets and Maury found that out the hard way. Also, we can't downplay the fact that the Nets added depth with Curry and Drummond. Like, they, both oh, of yeah. those guys have been very good for the Nets. And we were talking all this stuff about James Harden or Ben Simmons for a while. Seth Curry and, and Andre Drummond are going to be crucial pieces if that team is able to put themselves in a position to win a championship. I said at the time I thought Seth Curry was the biggest change that I was actually surprised by in terms of a player that went. I was like, you gave up him? That guy's actually pretty useful. He's not just window dressing, so. Um, Alabaster, put up that uh, $233 million extension thing, because that's really what this comes to. Because guess what? I, the Sixers are not going to win the Eastern Conference. They're not going to win the championship. They might, they might get to the second round. But like when you look yourself in the mirror and you say, do I want to pay this man $233 million for four years of basketball based on what he's done thus far? Get that out of here. It becomes a really no. interesting conundrum, because you traded him uh-huh. knowing that he was coming with these golden handcuffs, so if you have to give him the extension and then you're tied up in a way that really could hinder your franchise if the James Harden that we've seen for the past few weeks is the James Harden that you get for the next few years, it's really interesting, especially when you have an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid who seems to be getting better and healthier every it, single season. It, it's funny, too, because like Daryl Morey's always been the kind of guy who tries to divorce his emotions from the situation. He's trying to look at it as analytically as possible. Nah. And this yeah. and this is so clearly a situation where James Harden was was kind of the, the soft spot in him that like got him to actually give in to trading. And it's like, are you setting up the Sixers best for the best long term if you're giving James Harden a max deal after this season, which he's, which he's definitely going to want? Absolutely not. I think you can't make the same mistake again if you're Daryl Morey and you have to let him go and just take it as a loss because like Ben Simmons wasn't going to stay there. He wasn't going to play for you. You got him out of there. Might as well just kind of take that cap room and, and move on. Streets is talking. Just saying. I'm learning so much about you today, Clinton. The, the car wreck, it's the, not dating, me. the dating history, the it's, blocking it's, people on Instagram. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot. When you talked okay. about the dating part and like belongs in the streets and maybe we'll reconnect later, like that came that came from a place. That came from a place. <laughs> I know a lot of people. I know a lot of humans, buddy. A lot more than I need to if you get my money. <laughs> hmm. What's next? So, what are we doing? So hold on. Yeah. So we have two we have two investors on this take. But I think I'm going to choose to work with uh, Jacoby on this take because I can't stand by C.J. McCollum being better than James Harden. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I never said (laughs) C.J. McCollum was better. It's easy to say now. It's easy to say now. But at the time, you're like, McCollum or Harden? I'd be like, uh, what are we even talking about? So if I'm in that situation, I I actually – I think McCollum is probably a better long-term fit. But I actually probably don't want that contract on the books if you're the Sixers. I'd rather just take the cap space, period. With that 233 is gonna it's gonna look tough, especially when it's like 64 million dollars in 2027 or whatever. You're like 64 million for him, and he's gonna be like 300 pounds at that point. It's gonna be adorable. I can't wait. That's not fair. <laughs> there it is. That's there not fair. Is. There it is. Listen, oh, COVID's no. been tough for all of us. All right, COVID's been tough for no. all of us. No, no. Oh no, Alabaster. At least One do it day with the tiny in like hands. Hundreds of years hundreds of years, college students are going to study this show and they're going to realize it's really just a vehicle 
for us to get these props on the fourth screen. Everything else is just window dressing for us to celebrate the arts and crafts that is the debatable arts department. I hope you uh, expense those sharks. (laughs) Those sharks actually... They were here before the show. We had those sharks. <laughs> what? Oh, that's what the budget Legacy is on this sharks. program. Julie's in his sister's sharks. bedroom. Clinton's in, like, in front of his microwave. And this guy doesn't even have shark plushy butt budget. Uh, I'm texting Brian home after that. <laughs> we, have, we have one more uh, one more take that I'm going to try and sell you on. I don't know how this one's going to go over. But I do. Sharks? <laughs> I have a take that I would like a massive investment on. The baseball lockout was actually good for the sport. I'm reading more about baseball and opening day than I ever have. I love the big transactions that are occurring right up to the start of the season. There's actually like a social no. presence to this sport that's no. popping no. on social no. media. No, no, and no, I need to no, ask no, you, and no. I'm Sharks, not going to let us do can this Can I interest you thing. in a piece of this take? No, you can't interest me in a piece of this take. You can get out of here with that take as well. Once again, I found myself throwing people off my lawn over takes. Here's the bottom line. He just blocked Alabaster on Instagram. Oh, I'm paying attention now is not the measure of success for baseball. The measure of success for baseball is making the game actually grow. And you can't do that when you are literally torpedoing the leagues beneath you where the players are developing and not actually helping your game. The problem with the lockout was not just the top tier eyeballs on the game. It's had to do with how it affected everything down the line on there, excuse me, all the way on down the line. And yeah, people would have been paying attention if they've been playing and doing it right to begin with. This is the whole point. You don't even allow yourself the chance to do it right if you're not playing. That's the issue. Yeah, I, I talked. To, I think Clinton hit the nail on the head because I think the long view take of this, after a conversation I've had with a couple of front office people over the course of the last couple of weeks, is that. The development for minor league players over the course of the last two years, some of them is just like, there's it's a lost cause. Like, you just don't have data. A lot of guys have just haven't played a lot of baseball over the course of the last two years. And it has completely changed the development track of a pretty substantial number of players. And I think that this generally ties into baseball, Major League Baseball's holistic mindset towards developing the future of the sport. You see that the way that minor league players are treated. There continues to be issues with housing in the minor leagues. There's been a lot of talk over the course of the last couple of years about the housing in the minor leagues. There is not a mindset about kind of ushering this future generation of the game. Yes, in the short term, I think there is a lot of social media conversation, but only what, 30% of the United States population is on Twitter. Like Twitter is again, is Thank not you. real life. And when you're thinking about baseball long-term, it's not just about like creating buzz on Twitter. It's about making sure that you're telling the stories of these players uh, internationally, not just you know domestically, but also internationally as well. And I think that's something that MLB has continually struggled to do and is why they are in the position where the entire framework that we have around baseball questions, especially on, on talk shows like these, is, is baseball dying? We are operating out of that framework because MLB has failed to tell stories around its players in a way that resonates with a large pe- uh, percentage of the sports fan watching population because of, you know, because of the, of the holistic mindset that they've taken towards growing the game over the course of the last decade. Clinton, I appreciate your passion. Yes. I appreciate how much you care about the game of baseball. June, I appreciate that you broke down the nuances of how this has all affected the minor leaguers. However, Alabaster, I'm investing in this take. 
Because do you know what I like? I like stories. I like drama. Who? I like headlines. Who? I Name like them. news. I don't believe and the idea that baseball was in jeopardy and then came back made me care more about this season than I have many seasons preceding it. This. And there's a reason that casual baseball fans, unlike professional real baseball fans, like this sort of drama and story. This is going to put more people under the tent than before. Alabaster, you know what? It only takes one shark. It only takes one shark Here's to invest. Thing. And I will invest in this take. I don't buy that you actually care. That's the thing. I think that there's a large percentage of sports fans that like to look at baseball only as something there to insult. And therefore, it being back gives you that opportunity to trash it. You don't actually care. And we know that, and that's fine. The problem is that baseball is too interested in getting casual sports fans. What do you need those for when plenty of people like baseball that are right there? Not just people that want to say, oh, look, I'm in the creative discussion about what's going on every May. No, that's not real, okay? I believe that <laughs> you believe that you care. I don't believe that you actually care. So you're saying Jacoby is a hype beast is what you're saying. Total frauds. First of all, I never said I cared, and I don't really care. <laughs> and if you think that I care in May, I only care in October. Like, it's like hockey and Thank baseball you. are like, just let me know when the playoffs start, and I'll start getting involved, and I'll act like I know what I'm talking about. That, that is it, me it, with hockey, baseball, and college basketball. It, it's not a, I'll act like I know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's not a – for Major League Baseball, it's not about getting more casual fans, which I think is a lot of their kind of mindset around this. It's about getting people to care deeply about baseball in the same way that people yeah. deeply care about the NFL and the NBA. Like, even if you're a casual NBA fan, like, you are invested in a lot of the storylines and a lot of the stuff on top of – and maybe this is this has changed a little, a little bit the last five to ten years, but, but people uh, – you know, people still care about – the results on the court people don't care about anything a lot of the times when it comes to baseball and getting them invested in the stories in the sport so they that they care about the results in a way beyond just like oh baseball's in the headlines again oh baseball's being talked about on the radio shows and the podcasts and you know around the horn and pti and debatable again like it's beyond that it's about getting people to genuinely invest uh in caring about the outcome and the future of the sport uh, beyond just, you know, thinking about whether this is talk show fodder. Be sure to check out Baseball Tonight Live with me and June Lee coming up this season, a couple episodes too. So, just, oh, just where can How I about find that? that? How about that, Jacoby? Where can I see that? It's on ESPN right social channel. Oh, exciting. Just like this program. Mm. Mm. I'm investing in this take, Alabaster. I'm investing. It only okay. takes one investor. Okay. Let's Thank make you. some money. And uh, Jacoby, as my, my co-investor and my take benefactor, I do think that these people inside baseball should maybe care about us outside baseball. That's the point you need to be charmed by the sport. Well, that's interesting. I think that's an inter that's an actually an interesting conversation. I don't think he meant it to be interesting, but it is. In today's sports media marketplace, you do not need to be everything to everybody. You can have a niche audience and you can have a very successful business with a smaller audience. You do not need to be the NFL or the NBA. You do not need to compete with them. You can be a smaller sport and be successful. Niche. The globe is not niche. Pardon my French here, but just because mid-Atlantic white dudes don't know or care about baseball doesn't mean that it's not making an impact more largely on the globe. That's the issue that June is talking about. Major League Baseball is not the only league on earth. 
but they seem to act as if there has to be a prism through them for everything. More people on earth like baseball than people are giving credit to in terms of what Major League Baseball imprints to in terms of the American crowd. That's the issue right here, is that there's so much more on the entire globe than just what Major League Baseball presents in terms of- So, so I, I think Clinton actually hints at, at, at something. I actually don't disagree what, with Alabaster and Jacoby on this and that like baseball does a poor job in, in, uh, in appealing to people outside of just who, of people who are already hardcore baseball fans. I actually think that that is true and that there's a kind of a, 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 a barrier that prevents a lot of like people who might be casually interested in baseball and becoming hardcore baseball fans. I think the right. thing, that this conversation is slightly short-sighted about is that baseball is way more major league baseball is exponentially more popular in a country like korea than the nba is people don't care about the nba in korea like internet like baseball's biggest potential audience in the long term is not in the united states it is around the globe it's a reason why home run derby x this like home run derby style tournament it's happening in London. It's happening in Mexico City, and it's happening in Seoul. That's there's a there's a potential untapped audience that baseball is trying to go for globally. That is doing a poor job of marketing towards globally because it's only it's only in the last three years started focusing on marketing players who aren't white guys. It's why that they've struggled in marketing Shohei Otani. It's why like Francisco Lindor in the last couple of years has become a face of the game. You know Javier Baez has become a face of the game. Mookie Betts, all these guys. These are players that can help Major League Baseball appeal globally beyond just the United States. I think it's like making this a slightly short-sighted conversation and thinking about the future of the sport. Preach. 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 The doors of the church are open. Okay. Thank you, June. I'm I'm, I'm fired up now. This is is good stuff. What do we got? Was that it? One more take I just thought of. Quarterback is the best coach position in sports. Can you invest? You know what? I'm closing my (laughs) Screw you guys. I got things to do. Y'all are out here trying to get me riled up. Literally going to open the dryer right now. going to block me on Instagram after this. And all other accounts that I come up with. Thank you for watching Debatable. What was her name, Clinton? What was her name that belonged to the streets that you then thought you would reconnect with later in life? I'm the one that belonged to the streets, Jacoby. That's the whole point. It's me. The call's coming from inside the house. That's how I know. Goodness gracious. Goodbye. I'll see you all later. That's a corona, not the virus, the beer. Big fan of the beer, not the virus. Those are drugs. That's the best. I'm going to put in my contract, since I'm not being compensated for this, I'm putting in my contract that Clinton has to be on every debatable that I'm on for the rest of my career. <laughs> I'll buy you that. You hear that, Alabaster? 100% state. You hear that? <laughs> you guys we'll see you next week. time.